The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO podcast. Today we have the OG Dugout CEO, Chris Dinner. Chris is the co-founder and CEO of Dugout Mugs, who has generated $65 million in online sales. He is also the founder of Dinner Media Group and has found success in numerous verticals, including real estate, apparel, and hard goods. And he's been really focused on e-commerce and social media. The entire show is fantastic, and he's going to walk us through his start as an entrepreneur, how he built Dugout Mugs into a great business, and well as dropping some serious rapid-fire wisdom during our Chin Music segment. We also have a special gift for our listeners as well, so be sure to listen to the entire episode for the special offer. Chris, welcome to the Dugout CEO. What's going on? So, funny story, uh, my assistant actually came up with a name for this podcast, and I was like, okay, I love it, but there's already got to be a dugout CEO out there. So we start Googling dugout CEO, and the only person that comes up is you. And I'm like, okay, you're the dugout mug CEO, but you don't have a podcast. Can we get away with it? And here you are as a guest. So thanks for being here. Yeah, dude, it was perfect. I was like, look at this thing, dugout CEO, and then we connected, and yeah, here I am. Yeah, and I've been using your mugs, giving them away as gifts for years now, and uh, super cool to have you here. And you got a great story, and excited for the listeners to learn. And you built an amazing yeah. business, been part of what nine businesses now. And I just want our listeners to learn from somebody that's kind of been there, done that as a as a husband, a father, a business owner, an entrepreneur, kind of doing it all. So uh, so let's jump in. Let's talk about baseball first, Chris. Like baseball background. Yeah. Tell us about it. Um, so my baseball background, I actually played going up to high school. I actually didn't play in high school. I, I had an injury to my knees where I ended up uh, playing more golf than anything, but I was, uh, you know, I'm a big guy, you know, um, back then I was probably 260, uh, six foot, 260, pretty solid. So that was going to be football. And I played baseball as catcher, first base, um, cleanup. You know, I, 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 uh, I had some, some, some talent. It wouldn't have taken me very far. Not like, you know, some of the guys, but um, that was my experience there, but my sport really became business, man. Uh, halfway through high school, I always found some kind of hustle and some kind of deal and some kind of thing I was launching. And, um, yeah, life's, life's funny. Sometimes you got to, can't fight it. You just got to roll, you roll with it, you know? Yeah. Sports so, didn't end up being my thing. And then here we are all these years later and it quite certainly is. Yeah. So let's talk about all these other businesses that you got going leading up to, you know, dugout mugs. So your first business, tell us about like your very first one. Well, uh, if we go all the way back, it was it was actually when I was a kid. I was, you know, about, I guess, eight or, no, well, no, I was about nine, nine or ten years old. And, um, you know, we didn't have a lot. And so anything I would go make, I would, I would, you know, that's how I got my money is I, I would go make things. So uh, probably the most lucrative is I remember after school, I would drive up to, like, the, the, the phone store. They had all that extra wire left over, right? So if you split it open, it had all the colors so I would wrap up all this colorful wire and I would take it down to uh, school and I'd sell it to all the girls that were making the bracelets and the earrings and things like that. So my cost of goods was like literally nothing, just the time to go get it. 
Um, that was a fun one. Um, I used to uh, make pencils. You know, with that game, you break the other person's pencil. Remember that game yeah. back in the day? Yeah. School? So yeah. I would I would create these super pencils where they you know they were lacquered and they had a, a you know a little bar through the middle of it. Like it was crazy. Like an old hanger would go down through the middle, but then I'd sell these things at five seven bucks a piece. I was always hustling, you know, but uh, as a grown-up, um, I quickly realized school wasn't for me, and uh, I started at Gold's Gym, and I was, you know, top sales for every month for years, and and then uh, the gym industry is a wonderful, wonderful industry, but I realized I had to break away and do my own thing, so that's when I got into real estate, and I was doing real estate coaching programs and uh, things like that, but, but really... Even back to Gold's Gym days, what, what really was the, the catalyst for me was, you know, I'm in my 40s. I'm in my early 40s, and I understand the belly-to-belly sales and, the, you know, the thing that the lost art now. It, it, uh, but I understood that, but I was born at the front side of this new website called Facebook. And, you know, as I was transitioning into a businessman, Facebook just showed up, so I was leveraging Facebook for the gym Signups. I I could I could do one to many, which is the the essence of social and, and the internet. One to many, but I still kept that one to one vibe, which was a really unique combination. Uh, a lot of people like said I'm not doing the internet, and then the others were like, well, uh, I'm I'm not going to be personable. I'm just going to play a numbers game. I kind of found the middle, and that really was the the piece that I've, I've been able to identify looking back that allowed me to really really take off. Um, with I had, I had social media management companies. I was in restaurant business, the cannabis business, um, apparel. I had a really good apparel company for about three years. So, it, but it, when I look back, it all kind of tied around that, that you know, that kind of hybrid. So, all these businesses that you were in, like, what is your superpower as an entrepreneur that allowed you to create all these amazing businesses? Um, people skills. Uh, again, it's a lost art, but I think people skills are neck. I mean, your network and your ability to network and your ability to listen with the intent to help versus listen with the intent to reply. Because so often people in a conversation are only thinking about what their next statement will be and not really paying attention to what's coming at them. And I think my ability to really understand what someone needs and what they're looking for and how to help them, um, that's been a really big piece of that. And, and just being, you know, because that's sales. I mean, sales, you solve problems for profit. You know, that's all we're really doing and, and, and identifying where someone's problem is and how to create a win-win situation is, is just paramount man why is it the world that we're in we're often okay i'm just listening but i'm not really listening i'm just figuring out the next thing i need from you or the next thing i'm going to say like why do people do that um selfishness they don't see the big picture uh there's no long game anymore it's a lot of everybody's playing the short game the immediate gratification the post now and I didn't get 50 likes I'm deleting the picture it's like it's 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 a it's a sickness that that really goes through it, I mean it transcends into everything it, it it bleeds into everything 
Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of lack of connection, true connection, and I and I think that's why there's so much, um, you know, what's in it for me, you know, mentality. When you when you break away and realize, so one of the things I love to say is to create a win-win situation. It doesn't always require the same currency. So if you if you ask enough of the right questions, what will happen is you'll be able to identify something that they need. And and then also the thing that you need, and they're not often the same thing, right? So that makes a, doing a deal really easy. But I don't think people are asking enough of the right questions, and and they're too self-centered with what they're asking and why they're asking it. Well, it's crazy, you know. People have always asked, well, how do you get all these cool, amazing guests to come on? And I'm like, I just ask. Because for years, I wasn't really asking for anything from anyone. I was asking them, what can I do for you? And I'm guessing if I just reached out cold to you, it probably would have taken years to get a hold of you, right? You're a CEO of a giant business. But since we got a warm introduction, here you are on the show. And I did that because the person that connected to us, I just gave value and gave value and gave value. And I think what you said earlier, they're losing sight of the long game. That's so true. It's it's like they're trying to win the baseball game, but it's the third inning, and they're trying to hit a grand slam, and there's two guys on base. Like, it's just not possible. But if you focus on a relationship first, that's really good. Is it because people are stressed out, or they're trying to figure out a way to make money quickly? Or, like, why is everybody not able to stay focused on the long game or focus on relationship first before opportunity? I don't think they were taught. I don't think they were taught to value relationship. I don't think they were taught to, uh, you know, that this whole generation that's coming out right now. And I can say that being in my 40s, and I'm looking at people in their 30s and certainly people in their 20s, they're just built different. Um, and it's not wrong. It's just different. So sometimes the advice that I give and sometimes the methods which have been very successful for me, they can't wrap their head around mainly because it, you know, generation after generation are being taught different things. They're being taught different values. Um, I, I come from a place where your network is your net worth, right? So everything I do is built with the intention of strengthening relationships. Uh, just, just recently, Jesse, Jesse Cole uh, owns the Savannah Bananas, a uh, really cool baseball team out of Savannah. If you've not seen them, check them out. They're amazing. Sure. But, I found Jesse's favorite guy. Uh, he had a couple like muses, uh, Walt Disney, just the the uh, the mind of Walt Disney, just you know amazed Jesse. And then also P.T. Barnum, uh, Barnum Bailey Circus, right? Like the this guy's an entertainer, and Jesse is just the entertainer. So anyway, long story short, I ran into a baseball card of P.T. Barnum, which is rare. Like you're not going to find one of those mint condition. It was really cool. So I got it and I sent it to Jesse and said, hey, man, saw this, thought about you, right? Little things like that, I feel like they impact the relationship uh, far more than, than something financial, right? Like he sent, he did a personal video and sent it to me, thanking me. Then he did a personal video and sent it out to all of social media and tagging me in it. And then he sent me a text and he said, hey, man, next time you're in Savannah, please bring the family out. I'd love to have you guys at the game. Right. Like what do you think that he's going to remember next time I who I am next time I call him or text him, no matter how big they get. Right. I feel like those are the moments that you have to keep your eyes open for. Um, realize not what's important to you, but what's important to them. 
And then what can you do that impacts that? Like that, that's what, so, so uh, a, a great saying that, you know, I speak on stage, you know, somewhat regular and, you know, at least a handful of times a year. And one of the things I say is it's not who you know, but it's who knows you. And there's a big distinction between those two things. And the who knows you happens by moments like that, by, by actions like what I just described. And we're just so busy trying to get that next kind of quick high that we're not, or a sugar buzz, that the sugar buzz or the sugar rush is going to wear off and all of a sudden it's, it's just temporary where if we can focus on building long-term relationships, it'll take us far. So that's, that's obviously one of the main reasons that you've been able to build all of these great companies is the people skills and all of that. What else? What are your other kind of entrepreneurial superpowers? Uh, sales. I'm a closer. I mean, plain and simple. Uh, I understand the intricacies of sales, the strategies of sales, but I can do it seamlessly. It's, it's, I've been doing it for a long time. So I, I can do it seamlessly while smiling, while showcasing personality and people walk away like, I like that guy. Like I want to do business with that guy. Right. And, and I feel and again, it comes down to relationship. If I went into it every conversation with, with what's in it for me only, it's obvious, right? You can't hide that. So I, I feel like that, you know, I'm a closer. That certainly helped. And then also I'm a, I'm a creative, you know, I'm a creative individual. So, you know, whether it be, you know, my golf brand that I have, I have a cigar line. Um, dugouts, obviously, our baby. You know, this one we've been running with for seven years now, Randall and I. Um, but but all these different things, really creative outside of the box marketing. You know, I, I feel like being really creative from a marketing perspective has taken me a long way, right? And uh, and and then more recently, I would say reflection. You know, uh, I don't think enough people are doing that. Um, I, I'm not one of these guys that say, oh, sit down and journal for 30 minutes a day or make sure you meditate in the morning. It's like I don't do it, so I'm not going to say other people to do it. But I understand why people do it, right? And for me, it's it's I, I have the opportunity and the windows throughout the day to reflect and be grateful. And something, I mean, as simple as catching a green light when you're in a hurry somewhere, when you drive under it, say, man, I appreciate that. You know, just learn and practice appreciation and and learn and be grateful for things as they happen. I feel like that has been a uh, a huge piece to my success because it wasn't always like that. And and I feel like this transition from being this crazy warrior into more of a, you know, the states person, you know, statesman kind of vibe that transition, it doesn't happen for everyone. And oftentimes it takes well into someone's life and career for that to happen. But reflection will allow you to get to that point sooner. And, um, I, you know, I had a, I had a situation in my life where I got, you know, really sick unexpectedly and, you know, almost didn't make it. Like there was a, a you know, 30% chance I wasn't going to make it. And that was plenty big enough for me to, to change my perspective on things and appreciation of time and appreciation of 
good business partners and things like that. So I think reflection in general is is a uh, a, a daily practice that we should all do. And what happens is then you start making decisions in your business based on alignment, not on uh, profitability. And when you're in alignment, what happens when you're in alignment? What happens when all your boxes are checked? You're making money. Right? It, it, it's, uh, they walk hand in hand. It's really good. So your superpowers, I was kind of setting you up a little bit, Chris. You got any kryptonite out there and like things that hold you back? And how have you been able to work around? Okay, you got your strengths. And as an entrepreneur, we're told, hey, focus on your strengths, delegate your weaknesses. What are some of the things that you're maybe not so great at? But then how have you been able to surround yourself with others or build a team that still allows you to make sure those those things, those kryptonite really don't come back and get you? Well, it comes back to reflection. I, I, again, you know, you have to understand what you're good at and more importantly, what you're not good at because spinning your wheels, doing things you're not good at, best case scenario, you did a half-assed job of it and it took more time than it should have and you're annoyed. Like, not a good scenario. Um, I have reflected on what is important to me what I stand for, what I don't stand for, things like that. So what I've learned to do is build companies and build positions and build brands that align with those metrics, right? Um, I, I, my, my, you know, some of my metrics are, uh, can I have fun with my friends? Um, is it experiential? Does it take time away from my family? You know, things like this. So... Uh, because I, you know, some of my kryptonites are and have been the shiny object syndrome, um, overworking, you know, things that have bitten me in the ass over the years or some of these. So now what I build, it, it's, I build it with that in mind. To make sure that those things don't take away from those things, correct? Right. Right. You can't fall victim to shiny object syndrome if you're extremely clear about what is and isn't important to you. Uh, very rarely will something come across my plate that checks all the boxes. Um, and, and if it does, you know, I'll take a look at it. Right. But but one of the, one of the down, you know, one of the things that got me a lot is I was good enough to be good enough. Right. And so a lot of things would come across my plate and I became a yes man. And what happened is it gobbled up my time, uh, my focus, my energy, my money, everything, because you're chasing everything. Because I was good enough to get most things done. Whereas when you kind of look back on, on you know, back to alignment, then you won't find you, you find yourself saying no. Right. And that's kind of where I am now is I'm very quick to say no if it doesn't specifically meet the criteria that I've decided is important to me. So that's so how I you avoid it because it, it, it's subject to it. So are you saying if a new business opportunity comes your way or a new person wants to ha have a meeting on your calendar or a new idea pops in your brain, you have some kind of checklist or something that says, hey, does this align with what I want to do? And then if it checks all the boxes, great. If not, you just throw it out. Is that how you go about it? Yeah. Yeah. 
is that hard? Because I'm guessing a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in general, they have new ideas, they have new thoughts. And it's like, okay, I'm going to go and take that thought and start taking action on it. But like, is that how your brain works? Or you're like, hey, this thought, let me take it captive and let me really understand, should I even be thinking about this and doing it before you just start taking action on it? Yeah, so I, I figured out what's more important to me, right? Like, I want to have the ability to take off for three, four days and just goof off with the kids at the beach. I want to be able to, tomorrow, I leave for five days with dugout. we got a you know big thing happening in Georgia. I want to do that. I want to go to two or three games of the World Series. I want to go on three vacations a year with the family and swim with dolphins and goof off. So it's like these things are more important to me than achieving a next win. You know, some people, they got this this number in their head. I need to be worth $20 million or $50 million. It's like, why? Right? So um, I have a different currency in, in my life, so, and that's time. So many of my metrics and many of my boxes are based around time because if if you only had a year left, how many of the conversations you're having right now are relevant? Right. I had an opportunity to see through that lens briefly and it changes your perspective on things. And I, I, I value and measure wealth differently. Um, I have an outstanding network of very close friends. I've traveled to many countries. I've seen many things and many people know who I am, not me know that. Remember back to what I was saying a minute ago. Like I have genuine relationships with awesome people that provide extraordinary experiences and I don't take time away from my family to do that. Like to me, that is wealth. So if there's anything that comes across my plate that diverts from that, probably a, probably a pretty quick no and I move on and I don't worry about it. I don't worry about what it costs me you know, I worry about what it made me back, right? It, it saved all my time. Now, with Dugout, I mean, you know, Randall came across my path, and with Dugout, and that's how it came to be, is he had an amazing idea. And he was, you know, one-man show in this thing and giving it hell. Like 70 grand he did, belly to belly. And he's introverted. Like, he's an introverted cat um, for the most part. And so for him to do what he did was outstanding. I build, grow, scale, sell, hustle, every – like, that's my vibe. So I was like, this is a good dude. This is a good idea. We are not proficient at the same things, which is perfect for, for a business partnership, by the way. Anybody with partnerships out there, you know, two people in the same lane, one's not needed, right? So we were very good at different things. And, you know, we've recently, I mean, we're, we're over $40 million in sales of dugout mugs. You know, we just got our third Inc. 5000, third year in a row, fastest growing companies in America. Um, from a from a top line revenue standpoint, so it's like um, I saw an opportunity with a person with an idea that's scalable, and I took it. But I took it because it was going to be experiential, it was going to be fun. I could leverage my network. I could do it from home, like all the things that that were important to me. And you know, it's proved to be true. And I haven't taken on another venture until just the end of last year with my golf company. I enjoy golfing. So I have a golf line called Big Golf, uh, distance golf balls. I have my own private label cigar. Uh, so I have my own cigar line called the Big Stick. 
it's fun, it's exciting, it's experiential. I get to go play with my friends. Like it fit the it fit my model, right? So if if something slides across my plate every four to six years, I'm okay with that. And in the middle, everything else is a high five and a hard no. Um, outside of so I do own a consulting company that I've had for over a decade and. If things come across that path that I don't want to be a part of, but I know I can help them, and it's a good person that's doing a good thing for the world, I'll jump in and I do consulting for 90 days at a time. And even that's sporadic. It, it, they, have, again, have to fit a certain you know, set of requirements for me to spend my time and energy and effort to do that. So I'm hearing time is the most important thing to you. Was it always where you could build businesses where, hey, I – I'm only building businesses if I can only work this amount of time. Or was it early on you were in the grind, putting in early hours, staying late, all that kind of stuff. And then how did you go from transitioning to your business needing you to run to, you know what, I actually own this company and it produces a return without me. Did that happen overnight or what did that look like? No, of course that never happens overnight. Um, you know, and there's and there's seasons with a business. And Randall and I, I remember, you know, we would take turns who's on customer service duty today, you know, calling customers and who's on, you know, down at the, the people we contracted to make our mugs, making sure they're not screwing crap up. Like, so there, you know, that was the season of the business, but you always build a business with, you build where you're going, not where you are. Right. And, and, to, and to keep that vision, you know, clearly in front of you, you know, you have to build it and, and remove yourself. You build, you know, I always tell people, create a system you're not a component of. And that allows you to scale. If, if you're a big cog in the wheel, like, you can only grow to the extent that you do. And oftentimes, you think you're the best at everything because you started this, you did this, whatever, and quite certainly you're not. So you're hindering the growth of the company if you stay in the way too long. You know, you have to be aware. You have to reflect and be aware of your strengths and weaknesses. And, and at which point do you get the hell out of the way so that this thing can work without you? Really good. So growing up, Chris, did you have a baseball uh, pitcher that you liked watching? Uh, well, I was from Florida, so we pretty much got to see the Braves and that, the, the three-headed dragon of the Braves forever. What was it? Maddox, Smoltz, and Glavin? Dude, dudes were That's nasty. It. Uh, uh, yeah. Gosh, so, they you know, they were, they were great. I was, a I Griffey was my guy, man. That butter, that swing was just butter, wasn't it? And the backwards hat and just the vibe, the kid and, and everything. So I used to love watching Griffey. Um, and my, my best friend, his guy was Bonds. So we would always like pretend we were Griffey and Bonds, you know, out there in the thing. But uh, pitchers, yeah. I mean, now I get to look at guys like Shohei Otani, which is just unbelievable. The yeah. pitcher and the hitter, like that guy's next level. I'm a big baseball card guy, so yeah. Like uh, I've been I've been stacking up some of his stuff for about a year. Thank God, because now it's getting to a point where people are like going crazy over it. Sure. All right. So let's turn back the clock. Let's imagine. Barry Bonds is heading against Shohei Otani. That'd be a fun matchup, wouldn't it? So let's pretend Shohei wants to own the plate. He's going to give Barry a little chin music. But let's imagine you're pitching against Barry. Give him some chin music. When I mean chin music, Chris, I want you to give our audience some chin music. People listening to this, they're a business owner, they're an entrepreneur, they're a leader, they're a coach. 
like, do you have a piece of chin music, like a piece of advice that's not contrarian, that's a little bit different that you want to leave our listeners with? Uh, tons, right? Like, I, I feel like you have to be aware. You know, number one, get the hell out of the way. You are often in the way of the growth of the business. Now, I'm not saying take your hands off it because that's when that's when shit can go sideways. But what I am saying is you got to get out of the way, right? And and be aware if you are bad at something and people tell you, ask advice. Ask advice and with the intent of hearing what people have to say, the hearing the feedback. And it's not always pleasant to hear, uh, but it's important because then it allows you to certainly move out of the way. Um, uh, I will also say that doing business with uh, friends and family can be sticky, right? You, you never want to lose a friend or have bad blood with a family member over something as common as money. Um, money, a currency, shit, we're printing it. It's not even attached to anything anymore. Like, this is the biggest crock ever. Um, you know, what do you want? Bitcoin, you want barter, we got yen, you got Canadian dollar. Like, currency's everywhere. Don't ever ruin a relationship over money. Um, you can learn about people sometimes, you know, it, uh, but don't, don't lose a relationship over money. A lot of time, you know, uh, another one is, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? Because sometimes those two things can't coexist. It, you, you know, you're, you're so damn busy trying to be right about everything. Sometimes just be wrong and make money. You know, you don't have to be right all the time. And, and that's a, that's a disease that a lot of business owners and people, are, you know, they, they want to be right so bad that they'll that they'll forego being <laughs> wealthy or uh, you know um, another one is you know don't let your ego get in the way of making money uh, which kind of ties into that last one a little bit um, your ego ain't your amigo as as they say um, shit I could if I just think go through the experiences and the people and the conversations I've had there's plenty of that uh, also um, multitasking is just a real fancy way of screwing up more than one thing at a time. Um, there, there's often only few things that you do well, and just because you're doing two things at the same time does not mean you should be. Uh, so again, you know, d dig into that reflection time a little bit more. I don't know which one of those is my favorite. I like the multitasking one. I think that's really good. <laughs> As you're reading this down, I'm multitasking and writing it down when I should just re listen to the recording, right? So maybe I'm already breaking that rule. But uh, this is really good. So dugout mugs. It's a practice. It's a practice. Literally everything we're talking about, everything you're doing, everything I'm doing, every, there's plenty of people that are well more uh, successful than I am in many different ways. It's a practice. We're all practicing this stuff on a regular basis. The same reason I practice being grateful when I see something, you know, when something happens in my favor, even little things. The, the same way I practice reflecting at night before I go to bed, which will help me the next morning when my kids are driving me up a wall. I'll remember how I replied and how that made me feel the night before. And it's like, bro, check yourself. Do it different this time, right? None of us are perfect, but we can get better. And if you're not reflecting, and you're not practicing and you're not doing anything with intention and consistency, 
your asset and getting better. And that's what you need to focus on is getting better and better and better and better. And then when you stop and turn around, you got $65 million in sales behind you, friends everywhere, a life worth writing the freaking book about, married with kids, you know, hanging out on a Monday, wearing pajamas basically, getting ready to go on a trip tomorrow. You know, what, what happens is if you do the right thing consistently, with consistency, everything else starts to fall into place. So this is great, Chris, this has been fantastic. So dugout mugs, like I said, I've been using these things, giving away as gifts. Uh, if you're listening to this message us, I will get you one. Um, first 10 people, awesome. I will get you a personalized dugout mug with our logo on it. Um, so nice. definitely message us there because I love these things. I mean, they're amazing. Super cool. Man. I got one here that the Atlanta Braves skyline, I got a Cubs one. I got our personalized dugout CEO. What else are you guys doing with dugout mugs and where do people go to learn more about that business? Dugoutmugs.com. Can't miss us. We're everywhere, man. We're, uh, um, I just did, I just did some mock-ups for some major 600 uh, location chains. Um, we're in all 30 stadiums. We're in minor league clubs. We're, uh, scattered through seven different countries. Um, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Japan, Australia, Canada, U.S. Um, so, like, it's it's really cool, man. Uh, the, the Dominican uh, to see our products uh, going everywhere. Um, we have our new our new stuff, the, the the stainless mugs, which are spill proof, right? Amazing. Um, and and uh, we got a couple new products that are coming out, but. Yeah, like to, to see, I was, what was I doing the other day? Oh, I was watching uh, MLB TV and Kevin Millar pops up about intentional talk. And in the back shelf, there's three dugout mugs or Snitker doing his thing. And next thing you know, there's the World Series champion mug on his desk or uh, the Coens that bought the, the Mets and they do a post uh, from their living room. And what do you think is on the shelf in their living room? A Mets set of dugout mugs, like um, governors, presidents, like, these things are popping up and it's really humbling because me and my partner and a few of our core people and, and we've added along the way, but, but all these people that operated in unison consistently built this badass company that still feels like a mom and pop shop, but we're, you know, we're eight figures a year in sales. It's crazy. Chris, this has been great. I don't know how I'm going to summarize this one, um, but uh, the chin music was probably my favorite part. I need to go back and listen to that a couple of times, but this has been uh, so good, Chris, and I appreciate you being a guest on the Dugout CEO. You bet. Dugout Nation, wow, blown away with our time with Chris. He dropped the hammer and gave us some great wisdom and truth bombs. What a stud. Here are my big three takeaways that I learned from Chris. Number one, play the long game. Relationships matter. Be quiet and listen to the needs of others. Figure out what others want and help them get that. Be a person of value. Your network equals your net worth. And if you're a person of value that looks out for others' interests above your own and helps other people get what they want, you will ultimately get what you want. Number two, have an alignment checklist. Each opportunity, whether it's someone that wants to meet with you or go to lunch or have a call or a new product or a service to offer or a new investment opportunity, ask yourself, does it get you closer to what you want? 
Does it align with your values? If not, give them a high five and a good luck, but be careful what you say yes to because every time you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to something else. You are more likely to die of indigestion of too many opportunities than starvation of not enough. A famous quote by Andy Stanley, and I think in business, it's the same thing. Saying no is very powerful. In some rapid fire truth bombs, you can be right or you can be rich. It's your choice. People are so busy trying to figure out how do I prove that I'm right. They're not actively listening and seeking out other people's opinions that might challenge them. Also, have people on your team that are willing to tell you what you don't want to hear. And multitasking, it is the easiest way to mess things up quicker. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to CaseyCavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.